Welcome back to another episode of the Reaction Therapy Podcast. This is a great day. We get the chance to do an artist interview, and it's just probably the funnest thing we do on the podcast to me, Nick. It is a day we're interviewing Abstract. Yeah, it's going to be a great day. Um, I'm excited to hear what he says. You know, we reacted to a song Crisis on the channel not too long ago, and he had some powerful lyrics in the song, so I'm excited to hear about that song and others too. And we've been listening to some of his music on the side. Yep. I don't want to listen to too much because yeah. I want to be able to react to it in the future, but <laughs> one of his latest songs, Death Wish, I cannot, it just hit me, hit me right. Like, I love that song and I can't wait to ask him a little bit about that. But yeah. we have a lot of questions to ask him and hopefully he has the time. He seems like a really cool guy. I cannot wait to find out more about him. Yeah, I'm excited. All right, well, then let's, should we just get right into it? Sure, yeah. Let's do it. Yeah, we're going into abstract. I don't know a ton about him, but I've got a lot of questions to ask about him, what he's done, his music. I do know one thing. If you can trust Google in researching a little bit, he started in New Jersey, went all the way to Wyoming, and now lives in Tennessee in Nashville. What a switch from New Jersey to Wyoming. Yeah. If that's true, I got to find out where this guy's come from and what exactly the story is behind growing up even in Wyoming. Like, I know oh. he's got a lot of intense lyrics. They probably have to do with his life. But he is a guy that, as a rapper, I cannot wait to hear, number one, his story, number two, his passion, and number three, where he's going next. So yeah. without further ado, let's get to it. Let's introduce Abstract. Abstract, it is great to have you here. Thank you so much for taking the time. I know you're busy. You've got a lot going on, but to be a part of Reaction Therapy, we are so excited. Nick and I have been waiting for this moment. We have tons of questions for you, but really, thank you for taking the time to be here. Thank you for having me, guys. I'm excited. Yeah, let's let's. Can we just dive right in? Because we have questions, and I know so much of our audience. We had tons of requests for you yeah. when we did Crisis, the reaction recently, and I know a lot of people want to know more about you than just your music. They want to know who you are. So, Nick, fire away. Yeah, I guess my first question for you would be: How long have you been making music and like performing and stuff like that? Um, so I started super young doing just piano lessons. My mom was, you know, would make me do it every week. Um, and then as I got older, I got into, you know, more rock based stuff. And I was like, oh, I want to play electric guitar. So started doing that. Eventually got into drums. Um, and wow. then for a good point, um, I kind of stopped doing anything musically. I, I was, you know, I was in Jackson, Wyoming. So I was competing in like, slope style and half pipe and big mountain skiing. And I just kind of put it all to the side. I never, I never stopped listening. Like I was always, you know, the guy who was like, check out this guy. And if someone gave me the box cord, I'd be like, you know, um, and then slowly when I was in high school, I started freestyling at parties and then, um, just kind of a lot happened. I had my first heartbreak. My family went through like kind of a financial crisis with that whole thing. And uh, I just needed a way to vent. And I finally actually started writing it down, um, you know, picked up a hundred dollar USB mic and grabbed GarageBand <laughs> and was ripping beats off YouTube and just slowly, you know, started actually recording and putting stuff out until, you know, it's kind of a domino effect until today. And uh, yeah. Can I ask you if back in high school when you were doing this, you had all this stuff going on in your life, we always say, here at Reaction Therapy, I always say, don't judge a book by its cover. Just because somebody looks like things are cool, they might not be. Or just because somebody looks different doesn't mean that something's off with them. And when you're in high school and you're going through stuff and you decide music is the outlet, like, was that cool? Was that a part of, like, I'm trying to think back to high school. Well, that was a long time ago for me. But I don't know that, like, people who had a band were really cool. But it was few and far between. And I wonder if you were singing or rapping or what other people thought of you doing it back in high school. I think my core friends thought it was really cool. And like I'd freestyle at parties and people would be like, well, that's wild. Like he's actually good. Yeah. And then so I think when I started to put stuff out on, you know, back in the day, it was Dat Piff. It was all mixtapes and free albums. And then SoundCloud came along. But um, 
when I started to do it, people were like, and also I was someone, everyone knew growing up, like it was a very small town and I would get into things. I would get into things and become as good as I could at it and then move on to something else. And everyone was like, oh, it's just another, you know, phase of Luke's, like he'll, he'll whatever. And the fun thing about music, what I found was like, it's something where you never master it. So it was actually the perfect thing for me because I was like, there's so many different facets to it. And even in hip hop, it's like cadence, flow, you know, wordplay, production. You're, you're talking about so many different things that you can, you know, there's no mastering. It's just it's a constant journey. So I think it was something I finally found. And people really didn't think at the time that mm -hmm. I, I think my core friends were like, oh, this is wild. You're going to go <laughs> super far. But like overall, it was like we're in a small town in Wyoming. Like he's posting things on SoundCloud. No one cares, you know. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, it uh, it turned into everything for me. That's awesome. really cool. Um, I also wanted to ask, like, who are you said before the show that you do like more than just rap? You do a lot of different genres and stuff like that. Who are your like biggest idols or people you look up to, like in the music industry? Um, I'd say growing up, I was exposed to a lot of classic rock. Like I, I didn't even up until I was certain age like my dad didn't even have fm radio on it was like yeah. the beach boys bob dylan it was the who mm -hmm. it was you know the beatles it was that chuck berry like that that's what i was growing up on so um when i got into my teens i started to you know find um i found like good charlotte i found green day i found you know jet arctic monkeys all these things that felt attached to what my dad had raised me on but felt like mine and a little more angsty a little more you know felt, felt at the time and that's when i started to find you know music for myself and then through that um actually moving to wyoming is when i really discovered hip-hop weird enough not not in new jersey um because all the extreme ski films they'd have you know these very hard-hitting um hip-hop tracks you know wu-tang even swollen members mm. um Red Man, Method Man got into them because of that whole thing. Like, but the way I was introduced to hip hop was through, you know, extreme ski films and skateboard edits and stuff like that. So that's that was my introduction to hip hop fully. What a background. You were actually competitive, like skiing and, and snowboarding and all that stuff up there? Yeah. So I was part of the free ride team. So I'd actually go to school um, most days till noon and then head to the <laughs> mountain and ski till four. Um, and we would ski with the free ride team and then we would kind of compete in, you know, like uh, Sun Valley, Idaho, Park City, stuff like that. But yeah. What a cool story. Like That's this is something cool. that regular people out here, us, yeah. would never get to hear, like <laughs> unless I dug really deep. But to hear an inside story of like, man, this guy's got like tons of talent here in so many <laughs> different ways. Can you tell me? I, I really have this honest question for you, Abstract, because this you know, I'm a therapist, so I'm a mental health professional and I, I work with people all the time from all different walks of life. But when I've gotten into the music industry here of seeing video reactions literally only seven months ago on an accident doing what we do and not being exposed to tons of rap other than my early days of Run DMC and the Beastie Boys, right? That, mm -hmm. that how, do, it just seems really hard to make it, to sustain, to stay up with what's happening because there's so much music out there today than in the eighties when I grew up there, there just wasn't cause there wasn't anything downloaded and there wasn't technology. So how hard is it today? Honestly, if people ask, is it to just really stay up and current and, and with it, with, with what you're releasing, what you're doing? It's a lot. I even, I talked about this on my Instagram story the other day. I was just kind of overwhelmed a bit. Um, it, it's, because when I started, it was still, you know, there were a lot of artists and it was kind of the beginning age of, you know, the Mac Millers, the Macklemore's, the um, Tyler, the creator, the, the these people who were independently mm -hmm. releasing music without, you know, the power of a record label behind them and uh, creating a following through that. And um, I think it's kind of a double-edged sword. Like I love that everyone has access to the yeah. technology and you can put a studio in your apartment and, you know, even a closet and you can even record on your phone. And, you know, if you're good, it's going to sound good. Um, but it kind of, it definitely oversaturated. I feel like I am lucky that I came in at a time where it wasn't as saturated. And so I do have, 
you know, my core to continue to grow and share the music through word of mouth or social media or whatever it may be. Um, but these days I, I find it's not even for me that I get frustrated. I just know so many talented people, especially living in Nashville now. I came up through the internet where I was forced to, you know, learn YouTube, learn how to make content, learn how to make music videos independently. You know, when, when this stuff is done, I'm the guy calling all the shots. I employ all the people. Um, so when I come out to Nashville, I love it. And there's such talented people here, but it's, it's still living in this. I come a bootstrapping back. I come from a bootstrapping background where you make it happen. And there's still a lot of people who archaically think, you know, American Idol is going to put me on. The Voice is going to put me on, and it's just who 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 even. I, I think I saw the guy who won The Voice last year just playing an open mic, and I looked at his Spotify is seventeen thousand monthly listeners, and mm-hmm. it's it's wow. like that that stuff is great and it looks great on paper, but it's really not blowing up anyone. You know that's why. Mm-hmm. Um, I think TikTok is this double-edged sword of you do get the cream of the crop kind of bubbling to the surface, but also you get a lot of, you know, stuff that maybe mm-hmm. some kid's super rich and is able to pay for the promo and just shove it in enough faces and everyone <laughs> goes, oh, it's a hit. But is it? Yeah. You don't know. Um, so it, it's an interesting time. And I think it's it's harder than ever to really break through. I, I, I still feel I have a lot of growth to do and there's a lot more things I want to do. But I'm very thankful that, you know, I did come in at a time where I was able to kind of cement myself because I think it's getting less and less easy to do so. Mm -hmm. Well said. Yeah, really well said. It reminds reminds me of us, too, because we're (laughs) making content, too. And it's real. It is really hard. I mean, and there's so many other content creators out there. It's just really it is really hard. Just just anybody can do anything. And you're right. They can make it look flashy. They can make it look, uh, you know, like it's amazing, especially with technology, but really like creating quality content or quality mm-hmm. music and, and being somebody who sends a message. That's why we're so mental health focused because we love music. And man, yours has so much relationship. I, I can't wait to hear your relationship history because I don't know <laughs> if, if the songs are related directly to you, but boy, they are they are deep and they cut like hard. And we're going to get into the songs in a minute. Yeah. I wonder, did you have something or do you want yeah, yeah, I was really I on. It was wow. on. The, it was really on that point. I was just gonna ask about your lyrics and are your lyrics like related to you, or are they just kind of about what yeah. a relationship wow. could be, or is it kind of like you? Yeah, it's it's all true. It's it's all things I've been through. And um, <laughs> weird thing about me too is um, up until moving to Nashville, I you know, and even with my own music, still I write alone. I don't, I don't do, you know, there's a lot of people and no disrespect. I totally get it. But, you Mm -hmm. know, they'll get in a room of six, seven people and you come out with a a song at the end of the end of the day. But what happens through that is the the sole perspective is mine. A lot of times, unless I'm collaborating with someone where I'm kind of volleying off of what they're saying. Um, the, The perspective you get out of me in the studio is me being alone without any judgment around me to be as honest as possible, wow. which I think is why I'm able to, you know, come off so authentically because it is, and there's no one in the room with me for me to hold back or pull my punches or anything. Yeah. You know, when I'm writing, it, it's, it's straight from here to there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So your core, okay. From what I gather, you come from New Jersey over to Wyoming, and I'm trying to think of any like vaster difference you could have, but what a what a different place. I mean, somehow when I think of Wyoming, I think of country music because I think a lot of songs reference Wyoming and the, the land out there. But really, like, what is it like to start in New Jersey, go to Wyoming? I mean, we don't even go to Nashville yet. How you yeah. how you adjusted to people? Has your core group of people? Uh, changed as you've moved has it stayed the same do you like as you've grown and become an artist like you are today has it changed who you trust and who's in that inner core what was the moving shifting and the people in your life like um i think so i always call wyoming home even though i spent you know my first 11 years in new jersey um just because i think those are the years where you start to really decide who you want to be and who you want to surround yourself with up until that point, your parents are like, you're going on a play date with so-and-so. And And you're like, all right. Like, I I guess they're my friend now. 
Um, but yeah, Wyoming was definitely, I started to really discover who I wanted to be. And, um, it's funny too, because I'm actually, I grew up in Jackson. So Yellowstone, Grand Teton, that was like my backyard. Um, but growing up, my, my mom, what I was talking about earlier, my mom actually prepared me for it way more intensely than I needed to. So Mm -hmm. she was like, I was listening to heavy green day, Arctic monkeys and stuff like that at the time, good Charlotte. Um, and my mom was like, you gotta find a country band if you like, cause that's all they listen to. And I was like, damn. <laughs> um, so I, I found like the most, you know, vanilla, the rascal flats. I was like, oh, listen, this is fine. <laughs> um, and she made me, you know, sell my lacrosse gear, um, bunch of stuff. And I get there and I'm so prepared for like, you know, West world. Like, like I, that's what I thought I was walking into. And, um, I, I find out that it's all like skater kids and snowboard kids, and, wow. you know, hip hop is super prevalent where I was from. And I, it was a whole different experience than I was ready for it. So I think my, I, I was able to transition easily because I was prepared for so much more of a change, you know? Um, and so, yeah, but that really impacted who I became and, you know, the kind of people, I don't know, I, um, I vibe best with creative people and people who, you know, see life as an opportunity to live and not an opportunity to chain yourself to anything. And, um, you know, I come from a place where people are very, whether it's rock climbing or hiking or skiing, you know, they live to live a happy life like they Mm -hmm. chase what makes them happy which i think was a big thing for me and it's a big theme of my music as well i think that subconsciously maybe influenced me more than i realized sometimes yeah yeah tell me like i really wonder early life stuff with you of course i'm the mental health guy right (laughs) so i like going back into people's past but really like you mentioned relationships being a part of your music all true family life, like just how in the transitions you've made from one place to another, how much of your family, the relationships you've had, uh, friends, dating, any of that stuff that's happened in your life played into the music and how much did it ground you? How much did any chaos or any transitions or adjustments you had to deal with when you're younger? You don't have control over that. So you just kind of have to live with it and adjust. How much did that play into you creating independence and kind of being on your own and learning to live life just with you? Yeah, I I think. um, So growing up, my mom was more of the creative side. Like I was saying, she put me into, you know, piano lessons and she, you know, in the summers I'd go to all kinds of different camps of uh, mainly like artists um, oriented, whether it was like pottery or painting or stuff like that. So she really wanted me to like, you know, explore my creative side. And then my dad is much more logical and numbers and business. Um, so, you know, there's, I love my dad, but there, there was a time where it was like, well, it's not making you money. I, what are you going to do? And it was <laughs> like, I, I, I know I can get there. Um, but he's just someone where it's like results, um, which was important for me because now, um, especially as an independent artist, you know, it comes down to, yes, I live for what I, I make. And right. the idea of art over money is a great idea. But at the end of the day, it costs money to live. It costs money to eat. It costs mm-hmm. money for rent. Um, and so you got to find that even medium of being business minded while at the same time allowing yourself, you know, to be that creative. Uh, that's why I think I have two different modes where I'm in the studio and free and creative. And then when I step out, it's like, well, how do I market it? And, and that's a big difference between, and I think this is what was giving me a lot of anxiety the other day was um, even talking to industry friends. They're like, I've been doing these rights with people and they come up with the TikTok idea first and then the song second. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that, that's not, I can't, I can't, I don't know. I'll, I'll use what I'm already making and be like, oh, we could apply it to this trend in this right. way or something like that. But I, I just, I, it just takes so much of the art out of it for me to think about the marketing first and the art second. Mm-hmm. I just, that, that's where I was getting really flustered the other day. Cause I was like, I just, that, that's not what it is for me. That's what, not what it's mm-hmm. supposed to be about to me. But as, as I was saying with my dad and my mom, I think it was a great dichotomy that, led to me having a good handle on what was needed to lead the life I do. 
Yeah, it's a good one more thing, Nick. I got to ask one more thing before you yeah, could jump ahead. in, because it makes me think, what is the toughest adjustment maybe or situation you had to deal with growing up that just flashes back to you now? Like the biggest adjustment I had to make or the biggest situation I had to deal with growing up was what? I think it was when I was still really heavily chasing this dream and it just wasn't working. Yeah. It was like the numbers were there. It was getting some traction, but I wasn't making money. And basically that's how I, I ended up living in Seattle for two years because I basically leveled and I was like, all right, I'll go to, I had tried to go to regular college twice and uh, in Laramie, Wyoming, which just, it wasn't for me. I, I, I met some great people, you know, friends I'll, I'll probably keep in touch with for life, but um, it just wasn't for me. I was not happy. It wasn't where I knew I needed to be. So I ended up going to Seattle and trying to get a audio production degree. And um, even that was like, I love being here in the city. I love all the people I've met, but there is a certain amount of, you know, they're trying to kind of, I guess, nail you into being a servant of the industry instead of being a part of the industry in the way that you're, I, I was so adamant about. Um, and that's why I was like, I don't know. I felt like pieces of my soul were being chipped away at just to get me to serve instead of be a part of it. Um, so yeah, I think it was things like that where it was like just these little sacrifices of like, I want it so bad, but it's like, you know, you want to make the people in your life happy and everyone may not see the same vision you, as you. So you've got to kind of compromise sometimes and, uh, you know, continue to do what you need to do for you, but also, you know, you still want to make the parents and family happy. And sometimes you, you got to do that. This is a testament, Nick. To yeah. I've, I've been wanting to say this for, for <laughs> a while. For yeah. uh, you're really speaking my language right now. I just graduated college and I definitely could go out and get a job right now and make some good money, but I really want to keep this going, what we have here. And it is, it is a tough balance between I'm trying to make this business work and for us to be able to sustain it, but I also want to do it no matter what. And it's just really hard to yeah. manage that, those two things. So I yeah. definitely feel you there. And here it is. I'm yeah. of course the dad here. Of course you have two therapists for parents. So that, that make you crazy right there. <laughs> but you know, I'm the guy who's like, I tell every client I have, who's started college stopped or finished or whatever in their twenties, that's the time to fail. You want to fail as much as you can, but don't fail by sitting still, you know, fail by yeah. trying something and do not quit until you have run your passion dry. Yeah. Because I do believe this is a great testament when he talked about TikTok and that being first versus the music first, that, you know, you have to be able to have number one, a core substance of who you are and some quality there that we're, we're into a personality generated society instead of a character generated society. So to be able to know uh, this matters to me. And in our world, just because there are likes or views or like he said, something flashy in a mm. thumbnail or something doesn't mean it's quality material. And so kudos to you for like sticking it out and saying, I'm not yeah. done. I haven't run out of gas yet. And I need to. And what you did was what I try to talk to people. Keep trying, move, change, yeah. adjust. You tried school. You tried to you just different places to live. And that's really cool to hear. Yeah. Well, it's taken me on a journey. I, I'm, you know, it's, some days are tough, but I'm, I'm very thankful for what it's done for me and where it's taken me because, you know, it may have not been the easiest path, but it's the path I needed to take to become who I am today. Oh, so cool. it is what it is. Yeah. And then my other thing, I, uh, I have this Moon 52 brand, um, which okay. is kind of my other passion. So that's my thing I go to when... Um, I, I want to be creative, but I feel like I've hit a wall with music. I just, I, it's my pivot and passion. So I, we do everything from, you know, sneakers to coats and jackets. And it helps, you know, me make more than just artist merch, um, kind of make more of a, more of an apparel brand as opposed to just slapping abstract on a hoodie. So that's just, that's my other, I guess, passion. But yeah. So show us again. Tell us what it is. Um, so it's called Moon 52. Cool. I don't know what I have right here. Um, it's basically with my 2018 album. I had had this awesome. logo and a couple little drops over the years. 
uh, from 2015. And then in 2018, I basically was like, well, what if I explain the ethos of this Moon 52 thing through the album? Um, so what we ended up doing was uh, I wanted to make, even now it's still a very big thing, but it, the world is very singles oriented. What's the single? What's the one song? Uh, I wanted to create something that basically made people um, digest a full album again. So mm -hmm. I did a short film about nine minutes. That's half live action, half animation mm. um, that introduces you to, you know, the story connected to the album before it. And then the rest of the story plays out through the music and the audio and the album. Um, so I wanted to make kind of this multimedia um, kind of an experiment. Uh, it ended up having more impact than I thought it would. And uh, it's just something where in an age where everyone was so singles driven, I was like, I want, I want to basically force you to enjoy something mm -hmm. front to back um, in order to understand it. So, That's um, cool. but yeah, I basically built the ethos into that. And then over the last couple of years, I've kind of done everything from vinyl collectibles to uh, we did agenda trade show in Las Vegas where we had a booth and everything. So it's something that, you know, I can grow alongside the music, but also, uh, I would have no problem if it grows legs of its own and becomes an entirely different entity. But it's, uh, I just like to make things, you know, ideas, bringing things to life, whether it's audio or um, apparel, it, it's all, it feels the same to me. I, I love the process. Awesome. That's really cool. That's the inside scoop that probably not a lot of people know about. Before. So that's really awesome. Yeah. Um, okay. So, are you going to be touring anytime soon? And like, what what's coming up for you with music and touring and stuff like that? Um, so we've got, I believe, three more singles. I think three more singles, two more music videos, one more lyric video. Yeah. So basically, I've been doing a single a month uh, leading up to the album, and then the album comes out uh, September sixteenth. Awesome. That is yeah. no more hope for the hopeless, and. Uh, we're looking to do just a small tour in November, um, something like five, six cities, just U.S. Um, and I'm trying to get back overseas for, you know, I say for whatever reason, but I think um, it's basically back in the day, a lot of German YouTubers were using my music. Um, and now I have this massive part of my following that's in Germany. So that's another thing where I'm really trying to get back overseas. We've done... Um, London in the past, we did Prague, we did um, Amsterdam, and that's something I've missed for sure, especially with COVID, is uh, yeah. just going overseas, and a lot of my producers, my main guys, uh, Blue Lake is in Sweden, my other guys, Drama Battalion, are in Norway, and my main guy, Craig, he's from Scotland, but he actually lives in Taiwan now, um, so it's just, it's things like that, where we used to see each other every six months, um, but COVID has made it. So we really, I haven't seen each other in like three years, um, three and a half, maybe four. Um, wow. But yeah, that I'm, I'm definitely trying to get back overseas, do a bigger U.S. tour later in the year too. But yeah, basically that's the, that's the plan for now. That is really cool. But you know what, just what I just thought of while he was saying what? all that, it's like, of course I have tons of questions here, but you just said no more hope for the hopeless. And I'm sitting here racking my brain thinking, <laughs> wait a minute, there, there's no more hope left. What, what are we doing? So please, please tell me, I'm sitting here racking my brain. So a lot of the album is, and especially what it was with those relationships I talked about is, mm -hmm. you know, this want to help and save and, you know, I, I don't know what it is for whatever reason through my life. That's, you know, kind of, I, I don't know if it's a weird complex I've had, but it's like, you want to help people, you know, and I, I've always been attracted to people who, you know, maybe are too broken for me to mend. And, it, and that's even a thing too. It's like, you, you can't fix anyone. If someone, you know, from therapy, I'm sure you, you're mm -hmm. very, very, um, familiar with it but you know you can't talk someone into fixing themselves they have to want to um it, it really you can do it you can be there for them you can console them you can help them talk through it but at the end of the day if they don't want it, it it's for nothing um so that's really where no more hope for the hopeless comes from it's like if you don't have hope in yourself i can't help you it, it's it, you know 
for so long i tried to and went down with the ship and i you know it's it's breaking a lot of the album is breaking that cycle in my life and even now you know i've been with someone for about 10 11 months and it's you know we both went through terrible things and we both you know got to that point in our lives where it's like you know we have to care about ourselves first before anyone's able to care for us and it's just a relationship that's been beautiful and we found each other at the right time after going through the right circumstances and that's what it had to be it, it sucks that individually we went through what we went through but you know yeah. there's multiple levels to that of you know you don't appreciate what you should appreciate until you get you know until mm-hmm. the world shows you what else it could have been um so yeah, a lot of the title comes from that. It's just no more hope for the hopeless. It's like you can't save people unless they want to save themselves. That's it. That makes sense. It clears it up for me. I don't have to be confused. And I can explain it to other people yeah. because it's the same yeah. philosophy with 12-step programs. You know, when people are in addiction and you can pull all the people you want into recovery or to send them off to treatment. But if they're not really wanting the help, if they haven't hit that spot in life where it's like, I'm done, I can't do this anymore then it is a revolving door. And once they do hit it and realize I've got to be able to help myself. And one thing I can do is to drag myself to a meeting or drag myself away from, you know, the people or the places I've been before, then there's no hope unless they can get that little bit of energy. Like, and and I had a mentor of mine tell me once when I was talking about addiction and helping people, she said, Tom, if people want help bad enough, they will on their hands and knees crawl to some place, to a church, to some place that offers help. They will get themselves there. If people are thirsty enough, they will drink any water that is in front of them and not worry about whether it's healthy or not because they just want help. And you describe that. Like some people want to feel better. They just don't want to do what it takes to feel better. So that was well said. Yeah. It has to come from them. It's yeah. nothing that you can force on someone. It's it has to come from them. That's the only way where they'll actually, you know, find recovery. Well, how? Okay, so well, you go ahead. You want to? Go? Okay, I'm man loaded with this stuff. Do you <laughs> do you have much hate that comes from people? Period. You stole because, my question. Okay, I, I won't. I won't ask that. that. Go ahead. No, but yeah, I was gonna ask that too. I, I was just, how do you handle the hate from people? Um, that. Because, I mean, we, we get hate now, too, being content creators, I'm sure. And it's few and far between, and, but it yeah. seems like it's it's in bold. I feel like it stands out sometimes, yeah. and yeah. it shouldn't. No, it honestly, it is hard sometimes where it's like you'll get 200 good comments and then, like, two people yeah. said something, yeah. and that's what you think about. Mm-hmm. And it's just maybe that's, like, the self-preservation human thing where it's like you focus on the bad because it's like well i gotta change or but i think a lot of times i even had this experience a couple years ago and this um this kid is now a massive fan and like um still to this day but you know just i think i was on twitter and just spewing just this sucks that sucks go do this again like just a a lot more explicit explicit than (laughs) i'm saying here but Basically, I, I direct messaged him and I was like, are you good? Like, is, is everything at home all right? Like, I like I, I don't know where that came from. I don't know why you feel so strongly about what you were saying. And he was like, honestly, I've been going through it. I'm sorry I took it out on you. Like, I'm, I've been listening to you for years and I'm sorry that I, you know, wow. and that was eye opening to me because I was like, it's exactly, you know, it's, it's so many times mm-hmm. projecting and, and, you know, I'll take constructive criticism, this mix sounded bad. Why are the vocals in the back? Should have turned up that guitar. That's great. I'll take that. But just blind, you know, like, you know, that when yeah. someone's just, there's no constructive amount to it. You're like that, that person's projecting like that they have to be because there's no, you know, when someone comes off at you with mad animosity, there, there's mm-hmm. something else going on. There, there's, there's no other nothing else makes sense, you know? Yeah. So we did crisis. We reacted to that, which was phenomenal and kind of threw me way off course. Cause I don't know what I expected, but I didn't expect it that hard and that deep. And especially relationally, like, you know, uh, it just speaks to chaos. It speaks to, like I said, gaslighting and, you know, being caught in toxic relationships. And so many people don't see it until they're in it. And then sometimes when you're in it, 
so many people feel like, well, what's my other option? Like, or they don't want to be alone or they don't, they don't want to quit because so much has been invested in it. There's, there's so many stories there that, but it really identified a toxic relationship. And at what point am I going to see that that's what it is and do something about it and stand up for myself and just not be a party to it? Because I always tell people, look in the mirror, quit looking at the other person and, you know, pointing the finger at them. Look at what you're doing in this. And maybe sometimes it's so toxic, the best thing you can do is just get out of it. But I have one other I want to ask about song, but tell me about Crisis and like just what it was like. I mean, that was that a true story? Oh, yeah. That that was my last relationship. That was the first song I think I made oh. when I moved to Nashville. Um, because we got a lot of action. abstract. We got a lot of that's what made it. That's what made Nick put it on the on the reactions. We yeah. had people after people after people no, asking for that. You guys. And man, it was like I hadn't heard it, but let's do it. And I loved that song. So tell us. Yeah, it was even that um, me talking in the end is actually the real video I sent right before I packed up my things and left. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So it's, uh, especially with that relationship, even what I was talking about earlier, where I kind of jumped at the first the first time, like, oh, come and move down to Florida. I jumped at it because for so long, I there'd been so many walls and just like this inability to, you know, let me fully in and i was like oh this is finally my chance and you know I, as a, the months went on after i left i found out a lot and you know everything started to make sense um but it just was wild to me just the levels of lying and just the, that and you know you, you you're there and you feel something and you can feel that things are weird and you know something's going on but you don't i for me it was like I just come out of something toxic. I was in this as well. I, I, I just, I think I held on to it because I was like, I don't want to admit to myself that I messed up again. I, I, I want to hang on because I, there's no way, uh, how could this, you know, there, there's no way this happened twice. You know, lightning doesn't strike twice. But what I didn't realize at the time is that I had on a silver platter told this person in the first couple of days of knowing them, everything I had just went through before told someone that, someone had done me terribly and I took them back and she took that as a massive, let's go off to the race. Yeah. I can do whatever. And this man's going to, and you know, also the, what I was talking about earlier, the weaponized ability to go, Oh, I'm not being weird. That's your past trauma. And you know, it's perfect cover. And mm -hmm. so I have a song in my album called solving my own murder. That's um, basically that is after all the damage has been done and everything has you know, the dust has settled and looking at all the evidence and going, what the hell? Like I, I, I saw it all and I, I didn't know it was coming, you know, it's, it's a weird thing. It's also, you know, people withhold a lot and it's kind of like that. Um, you know, you think if I can just be perfect enough, if I can just mm -hmm. do this. If I can just make them happy this time, if I, everything will be okay. It never is because the whole game is withholding to keep you on your toes and serving and delivering as much as possible. It's, it's the whole game. Um, and yeah, it's just so many mind games went on with that, I think. And um, it's just one of those things where you get out of it and, you know, you can look at the train wreck and go, there was no track. Mm -hmm. what, what did you think was going to happen? But you don't realize that until you're standing outside yeah. and looking at it and going, damn, you know? Yeah, yeah. The, def the definition of codependence and a toxic relationship. And I always say, people get tired of me saying it, but I love the line that I learned a long time ago is that normal doesn't pick crazy. Uh, sane people don't pick insane people to be with. And so if you say ever, I'm with this crazy person, I usually say, well, look in the mirror because... You're in the same boat. And the only way sometimes to deal with it is I'm going to remove myself from the crazy because crazy can become normal. But a, a crazy, crazy couple can't become normal. Like it takes one person being able. So sane people don't pick insane people to be with. And you'll notice and you've said it, the more the more normal thinking you get, the less you would ever pick that to be with anyway. So you start to pick yeah. more normal people to be with. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. It's it, when you step away and look at it, it's so crazy. Because yeah. I don't know, we as humans, there's there's so many. It, it really shows us how malleable the state of our reality is. Because there's so many things that I told my friends stories, and they're like, 
why did you not tell me this? I would have told you to get out months ago. And I'm like, but I was in it and I didn't yeah. see it like that. I, mm. This was the reality I was living. Yeah. Um, it's so strange. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So tell us a little bit more about your fan base and like what, what they're like. Um, I, I couldn't have asked for better people. I think that's the thing is, is that I'm, I've always been so authentic and vulnerable that the people who have really, really gravitated to me are the people who really feel it. Um, are the people who stick with me even now, you know, no matter what my sound changes or what I do, they know that, you know, what I'm giving them is my honesty and, and my story. And, um, you know, I, I think what happens sometimes is fair weather fans come to me for a sound and I switch it up and they're like, oh, this wasn't what I was looking for. But the people who really listen to me, I, I think that's a big thing is a lot of, um, my base listens to lyrics and they really care about what is being said. Um, and that's why they mm -hmm. stick with me regardless of what we do sonically or how I change approach or, um, mm -hmm. I think that's the coolest thing. That's honestly, I'm very introverted. Um, I think it comes across in my lyrics. I enjoy performing, but I absolutely am scared shitless of it uh, <laughs> leading up to it. I, 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 I hate the idea of performing. I really do. You put me on a stage and I'll flip the switch and I'll have the time of my life. But the idea of doing it right. to me mm -hmm. is petrifying. It, it really is. It, I, I honestly, for weeks before the tour, I lose sleep. I, I can't, it, it's terrifying to me, no matter how many times mm -hmm. I've done it. I've probably played, you know, 150 shows. I don't know. Um, but it, it really is one of the scariest things the idea of doing it. I, once I'm on stage, I'm good to go. I have a damn blast and it's, you know, off to the races, but, but it's the anxiety of leading up to it. So the cool thing with touring, which I really do love is talking to everyone after the shows. That's really what I do it for. You know, when you're online and there's comments mm -hmm. and there's messages, it's like, it's all very cold. You know, they, they can still come across with like the kind words and their experiences and the way they relate and stuff. But until you're having a person, a person talk, it, it doesn't feel at that real so my favorite thing is talking to people after shows that's yeah. that's really because i don't know everyone has a different way to relate and that's also a big thing for me i really try not to you know do the whole you know this is exactly why this was written and all this stuff because i think it takes some of the magic out because someone mm -hmm. goes well that's not the way i related to it but i guess i was wrong and it's like no you, you weren't wrong that's just the way you related to it. So I think sometimes over-explanation of art can actually kill it. Hmm. Um, so for me, I, I try, I, I'll nod sometimes, um, but I, I believe there is, the, the connective tissue is between, you know, the artist and the person perceiving it. What's in between that is the art. Um, so that's the cool thing too, is getting people's perspectives on why they relate to things and how. Um, now I think that's always a beautiful thing to, I, I, I've had people tell me stories about how they heard the song and what it meant to them. And I, I'm like, I've never thought about it like that, but I'm so glad you do. Um, you know, that's the beauty of art. That's so cool. And I, I love the idea cause I'm an introvert too. And, and so is Nick, like it, we, I love doing this. Mm -hmm. There is nothing doing reactions to videos to me. While I love putting them out there, they are nothing compared to like, we've had Zoom calls with different subscribers or followers where we get to talk to them face to face and get to know who they are. And that to me is the funnest thing is the interaction with people because they're all over the world now, right? And you've got people all over the world following you mm -hmm. that literally wait for the moment to get to say hi. And that's their moment. And for you to appreciate the fact that these people like have waited to see you and to be able to say hi, when you just feel like your normal self, I'm sure that it means everything to them. That's really cool that you take the time to do that. It's awesome too. I mean, especially um, we did a meet and greet in London and I believe it lasted two hours because we actually did <laughs> wow. a, a free show and packed it out. And I was standing there for two hours just talking to everyone. But it was so cool for me because I was like, I come from you know thousands and thousands of miles away from you. And you have such mm -hmm. a relationship with my music. Like it, that's my big thing is it really shows how connected we all are, yeah. uh, you know, in our experiences and as humans. And I think that's one of the coolest things because everyone always thinks about 
oh, that's so far away. It's a whole different world. But just to hear how much these people relate to my music that was, you know, made so many thousands of miles away in an entirely different town and entirely different government, you know, um, you know, our realities are similar, so similar at their core and our experiences are so similar at their core. And I think that's a beautiful thing. And that's the connective tissue that music can bring. Okay. Last question from me. I know I've asked a ton, but I have one more death wish. Like my favorite song that is out there, like, and I feel like it's different and maybe it's because of where I came from, but it, it sounded very, um, I don't know. See, I came from the eighties. So I, I love the, the beat. I love the pop in it. I, I just, and boy, the story was intense. Like just the way that just the lyrics lay out, like this is hardcore, but can you tell me yeah. just briefly, just for my own sake of like, how'd you create it, write it? Like, what's the story there? I think it was, it was one of the first songs we made for the album, my buddy Joey, um, and he produced it. And for that one, definitely, it was just like, it, it really, it, it's probably the most concise way of explaining the cycles, um, just of like trying to break free of that. Like the whole course is kind of like this knowing that, you know, this is not going to end well. Um, and it's like, you just want to watch, you just want to watch somebody die for you. Um, bring me to my lowest. That's a high for you. And that's like, that's so many, that's what I went through most recently. And it, it's like, you know, how far can I put someone down? Um, how much power do I have, you know, to control someone emotionally? And that, that's definitely, you know, what I went through. And it's like, at the end of the day, that's a, that's a death wish because if that's what you're going to yeah. do for the rest of your life, you know, that's, you're already dead inside. That, that's not, that's not any way to live or yeah. treat anyone or any sustainable way of leading a healthy life. Yeah. And it's just, and it's, you know, making commentary on that, but also myself of like, you can't keep being in these cycles. You just won't, you, it's but, not healthy. It, it, it may be familiar and it may feel like love because it's what you have been taught to um, make synonymous with love, but that doesn't mean it's healthy and it doesn't mean that, you know, you have to be stuck in that cycle forever. Well, and the way you put to me, such fun music, which with what such intense lyrics, it's like, it's like the interview I saw somewhere online with Tyler Joseph from 21 pilots, where he said, you know, sometimes I write sad songs, but it doesn't mean I want to put sad music to it. I mean, sometimes I want to put, you know, this upbeat music. And to me, the music was upbeat. I could work out to it. I could jog to it. And it wasn't putting me in a depressive state. So I thought that was cool how you put that in there. I think my big thing, and we've done it for a long time, I really like the idea of layers where, you know, if this song was on at a party in the background, it's like, oh, it's upbeat. You know, yeah. as you're saying, you know, you That's could have a good, good time. Yeah. It's, just, it's just hovering in the background. But if you sit with it, your experience is entirely different. Hmm. When you actually sit there and listen to it and digest it, your experience is totally different. Um, I'm a big fan of like John Bellion, like that's one of my idols. Mm. Um, and he's someone who will definitely, you know, these super upbeat songs, but in concept, it's actually, you know, one of the saddest songs ever. It's, I love that juxtaposition. I love contrast. Um, and I like that, you know, the way you can kind of layer things where it's like, if you're in this setting, you're going to have this experience. If you're in that setting, you're going to have an entirely different experience. Yeah. I think it's the beauty of music. I, I love that. That's cool. You might have had a different song you like, but I'm gonna let you close that out. Okay. Yeah. Uh, my favorite song of yours that I've heard over the last couple of days and weeks is uh, "Not Alone." So, can you talk a little bit about that song? That was honestly, "Not Alone" is one of those songs where it quintessentially shows how I like this. Normally happens when I write, but it's the most on the nose of me actually being, you know, in a hole and depressed and writing myself out of it. Um, oh. So you can hear it throughout, you know, the first verse It's very low, it's downtrodden, it's, you know, um, but then I start to change perspective in the second verse until I'm actually, I've climbed out of that hole. Um, and that's the cool thing of Rose and I have been working for years. And uh, a lot of times the way we work will be, he'll put down a chorus and then I'll come in, see how I relate to it and write out my verses. 
Um, so that's where that song really put me in that downtrodden state. But by the end of writing it, and you get to the end of verse two, I had written myself and hopefully the listener as well out of that hole. Um, but really that, that was one of the most, it, it's the most on the nose therapeutic evolution songs I have. Like you can hear it in my other songs, but it's not as, you know, there it is. I feel like not alone is the most, I literally wrote through my own depression and hole while making this song. So I appreciate that. That's one of my favorites. So, um, and I've heard that from other people too, where it's definitely uplifting to them because that's what it did for me, um, in writing it. So, yeah. Really cool. Anything else yet? Abstract, you are the best. We have taken like so much of your time and you've been so gracious, really like to, to get this inside scoop, to get, you know, to see you in person and to be able to, to chat with somebody we've reacted to and to somebody who's been asked about from so many people is so cool. And I hope we get to do more reactions because um, I can't wait for the music to just keep coming out. And I hope one day you come down to Houston, yeah. Texas again so we can come see you in person. Yeah, definitely. We've got to do it. Thank you so much, guys. It's been an honor. Thank you for having me. Great combo. And anytime. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks so much. Thank That's you. abstract. What an interview. I did just, I could have sat there all day, Nick. No, it was like we. <laughs> It, it was such a long interview, but we could have gone for another hour or two, I bet. It was this, just so much. I feel like I've got a VIP pass to be able to talk to people, artists who we've reacted to and heard their music, especially for the first time, and then be able to talk to him. And he's a regular guy yeah. that just really, we could have sat there. He was so kind. We could have sat there. We, did, we didn't even get all our questions in. Yeah. I started feeling bad after a while because it, he was just so nice to answer everything and give such good detail such about good. him and his life. Yeah, and I thought what you just said, it was really cool to have him talk about like how he just is a regular guy and like we all we all are actually closer um together than people think. Like you you see these celebrities that are so famous, but they're really people too. Like they're not and it, just because they have followers doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Like they're they're still human. And he gets just as much out of talking to his fans as he does performing, like yeah. or more. So what a cool thing! That's I awesome. just love this podcast for that very reason to talk to artists and just learn a little bit more than. And we got information and stories I didn't think we would even get today. I know, so we got some really, thank you, Abstract. Really like, cool behind the scenes stuff. So it's really cool. cool. Loved having you on the show. And everybody, thanks so much for being here. This has been a blast. Made my day. Yeah, if you have any other thoughts or questions, leave them definitely in the comments and uh, let, let us know who you want us to interview next. And I guess that'll do it. Love it. And we'll see you on the next, next Reaction, Reaction Therapy, Therapy Podcast. Podcast.